Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Have you tried to create real connection between your employees and leadership teams, but keep hitting roadblocks? In this HR Chat episode, we're going to consider the role of play in upping engagement levels in the workplace. Hey, this is Bill Bannum, host today, and my guest this time is the awesome, fabulous, super famous Jeff Harry, founder and positive psychology play whisperer. Oh my goodness me, I love that title, at Rediscover Your Play. Jeff shows individuals and companies how to tap into their true selves to feel their happiest and most fulfilled, all by playing. He has worked with Google, Microsoft, Southwest Airlines, Adobe, the NFL, Amazon, Facebook, helping their staff to infuse more play into their day-to-day. Jeff is an international speaker too, who has presented at conferences such as Inbound and Australia's Pause Fest. And uh, just before he and I hit record today, we, we discovered that he presented a very interesting uh, presentation down there and under, and I'm going to be talking to him about that as part of today's today's show. Uh, Jeff was also selected by Engagely as one of their top 100 HR influencers of 2020 for his organizational development work around addressing toxicity in the workplace. He has been featured in the New York Times, San Francisco Chronicle, and CNN. And he believes that we already have many of the answers that we seek, actually. And by simply unleashing our inner child, he suggests we can find our purpose and, in turn, help to create a better world. And we'll delve into that wonderful aspiration in this very happy HR chat conversation today. Jeff, welcome to the chat show. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Bill. I'm excited. Me too. Me too. Uh, And uh, listeners, if any of the methodology and and the ideas that have just been sort of touched upon uh, at the beginning there in the introduction sound familiar at all, uh, check out an episode that I did with another wonderful guy called Gary Ware. I think that was in uh, sort of mid-20s. 20 don't quote me on that and it turns out um that gary and jeff do some work together uh, which makes sense because they're both awesome guys um jeff enough about gary though let's find out about you uh let's let's begin with um this this belief that you have around the concept of one's inner child you, you believe that we already have many of the answers that we seek and by by unleashing our inner child we can find our purpose and and help to create a better world which is wonderful so you know it's a pretty basic question but i'm a pretty basic guy jeff uh, what, what is what is our inner child and, and why should we connect with it i feel like our inner child is our intuition right it is it's 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 our the the gut feeling it's um it's the thing that actually makes you come alive like when you get really quiet i tell a lot of people if you want to play more you actually have to allow yourself to get bored and when you get bored which is really hard in this this society where we're inundated with more information in a day than most people i think in the 1800s received in an entire lifetime you know um it's really hard to get quiet but when you get quiet all of a sudden your inner child, your intuition starts to whisper to you these nerve-sided ideas that actually can change your life, that actually can drive your business, that actually can you know, help you 
do the work that actually truly fulfills you. But you have to allow yourself the opportunity to tap into that inner child. And my suggestion is to get bored and get quiet so you can hear it. This podcast is supported by Fidelo Inc., a consulting firm specializing in improving human performance. Through their products and services, Fidelo helps clients design, develop, and implement strategic, integrated human resource processes and systems. Learn more at fidelo.com. That's F-I-D-E-L-L-O.com. Okay, uh, so your suggestion is to get bored and get quiet to hear it because i was just about to uh, give you a follow-up there around you know is is this about getting present um, almost meditating perhaps in a way um you know just really focusing on your breath for example and and then letting certain emotions certain thoughts flow through you uh in a a very purposeful way and then you just use right at the end of your answer you use that word bored so um so explain that to me yeah so so meditation is like one example right so i tell a lot of people you can't you can't play until you soothe yourself right until you like calm yourself down you can't play in an anxiety-ridden state you can't play when you're angry so you have to identify okay what actually calms me down what actually soothes me now it could be what you said meditation it could be taking a shower it could be going for a walk whatever the thing that actually calms you down right allow that And then when I challenge people to say, get bored, what I'm saying is stop looking at emails, stop binge watching Netflix, stop doom scrolling on social media just for a little bit, because I think so much of the time we're distracted with all this outside noise. It's really hard to figure out what we want because we haven't given ourselves the time to do it. Now, the reason why I say get bored is because everyone has a different way in which to get quiet. Some people might do meditation. Some people might, you know, simply like need to be in nature, right? Some people might just be like, well, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, you know, I dribble a soccer ball around while I like walk as if it was like my pet. You know, everyone has a different method, but as you're doing that method, you start to realize like, oh, like, you know, why have I not been speaking up more at my job? Oh, why have I, why I've been tolerating this toxic leader? You know, I need to start, you know, addressing this directly. You know, I had one of my biggest epiphanies while I was um, at Iguazu Falls in Brazil that changed our entire company where I was like sitting there watching these waterfalls come down and my intuition, right? My inner child was like, listen, you're only going to be around for about 80 to a hundred years tops. So make bold decisions, but make them with like love and compassion. And as soon as I realized that while watching this waterfall that had been around for 80,000 years or more, probably millions of years, um, I went back to the organization and we started letting go of toxic staff and it changed our entire organization. But you have to allow yourself the opportunity to get quiet so you can have those epiphanies that can change your entire business. Let's talk a little bit about changing the workplace then um so let's move away from uh the general premise of how embracing one's inner child or their intuition or whatever you however you want to conceive it uh that can that can benefit the individual to to how it benefits the workplace okay and and uh and let me preface this question for you uh with a with a wee quote that, that, that i think i found uh 
uh, on, on your website. Uh, and it is as follows. Uh, while we spend most of our time pretending to be important, serious grown-ups, it's when we let go of that facade and, and just play that the real magic happens. Fully embracing your own nerdy genius. I love that because I am a bit of a nerd. Uh, whatever it is, gives you the power to make a difference and change lives. End quote. Jeff, please, can you explain why you believe major issues in the workplace can be resolved by using forms of play? And as part of that answer, perhaps you can explain what you mean by play. Yeah, so a lot of times I, I define play as any joyful act where you forget about time, where there almost is no purpose. There is no result. You are actually fully in flow. You are you are doing the thing that actually makes you come alive. I also define play as the opposite of perfection. Perfection is rooted in ego and shame and fear of failure, right? While play is rooted in curiosity, awe, experimentation, diving and embracing failure. Like I had a, a, a colleague, you know, a former colleague that worked for NASA. Her main job was to help uh, the Mars rover fail in so many different ways while on Earth, because when they sent it out to Mars and it failed, they'd be like, oh, well, we've already dealt with this. We already know what this is like. So when I tell organizations or I'm working with organizations, you know, I'm like, you know, what type of space do we have here? Is it a playground where people can speak up? Is it a place where I can show up in my nerdy, weird genius and be like, well, I have this strange idea, but I just wanted to float this out here. And are people willing to test it and experiment with it? Because if you look at the organizations that thrive the most during the pandemic, that during all this uncertainty, it was the ones that played. It was the ones that were willing to experiment, the Hulu, the, the TikToks, heck, even Clubhouse at the time, like ones that were trying out different ways in which to show up while everyone while many other organizations were like well let's just keep doing it as if we're still trying to solve you know uh pre-pandemic problems you know in the same way and it's just like you can't show up in that way and then in addition to that when companies are like well we don't have time to play i reference the google's 20 percent program you know google um, a long time ago, gave their staff 20% of their time to pursue whatever was curious to them, as long as it helped out Google, a fifth of their time. And what came from that? AdSense, Google Meet, you know, Google News, like Gmail, so much of the foundation of Google was built on play. So many, so many companies are built off of experimentation and play. So Leaders have to realize if I give my staff just some room, not all the room, but some room to dive into their play, to dive into the work that makes them come most alive, they are 500% more productive, they are more likely to stay at that organization, and they're more likely to solve problems quicker, faster, and in a more creative way. And frankly, that's what you need, especially as we enter this world of uncertainty in this post-pandemic world. Excellent, thank you. Uh, so part of your answer there, I'm, I'm hearing I'm hearing um, lots of elements that perhaps uh, one could associate with design thinking, for, for example. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you can now discuss the, your process and, and methodology, you know, the, the how it works really. Um, perhaps take some time and, and talk about the, the methodology for using form to play at work to create strong more authentic connections between colleagues yeah and, sure and to take us through that process so, so i guess what i'm asking you there jeff is you know how does it work what, what do you do you, you go in you go into an office 
Okay. And how do you, how do you, how do you create that program? And, and then what do those sessions look like? Sure. So, so, um, first off, I want to clarify that, that play, I'm not talking about team building, right. Or I'm not talking about forced fun. So I do not believe in forced fun. The idea of putting Samantha with Chad in an escape room and then being like, okay, you're going to get along now is I just find that problematic. I ran, I ran team building events for like 10 years and it never in, I never saw the building of connection as well as team building, you know, so a lot of the stuff that I'm about is really helping staff to actually recognize or really helping leaders help recognize how they can motivate their staff more. So a lot of times I'll talk to leaders and be like, all right, what is the work that makes your staff come alive? What is the, do you know the work, do you know their, their, the work that they loved to do most the the work where they forget about time the work where if they weren't getting paid to do this work they would still do it right right now what percentage of time are you focused on on helping them to do that work oh you know say for example an employee is like i love talking to clients you know i love connecting with them that's that's what like energizes me what percentage of time do you currently focus on that only 15% of your time, how can we increase that to 20 or 25%? So we'll figure out ways in which they can do that because again, that will make them more productive in one way. Another, another way in which I do this is like, let's say I'm running a workshop on navigating difficult conversations. If your staff can't speak up at, at, in meetings, then you're not going to get the best ideas. So we'll actually role play how to have difficult conversations, how to disagree while respecting the other person, how to not attack the person's, um, you know, character, but instead address the problem, which is separate from both of you. You're working together to address this problem. If we're talking about um, getting your staff more into flow, then it's more about, okay, what are you doing on a regular basis to take out all of the barricades that is taking energy away from them? Or do you have wasteful meetings? Are you giving them BS work that they really doesn't, doesn't have to, you don't have to do? You know, I run a workshop around office politics BS where we really address like, are there office politics that are getting in the way of us be having real conversation and act actually connecting? So a lot of the techniques that I'm using are ones around role playing. They're ones around um, getting outside of your comfort zone and, and experimenting and testing things out. And also it's about having really hard conversations about, you know, what is my current relationship with um, this organization? I tell a lot of leaders, especially during the pandemic and as we slowly roll into the post-pandemic world, you know, did you build trust or lose trust with your staff during this pandemic? You know, can you even have that conversation with your staff? And if you can, then where are we going to go from there? How do we rebuild back that trust so that we can start to move forward and be more productive? Let's talk a bit about remote working. Okay. So as, as you and I are recording uh, this interview in the middle of December, 2021, uh, we are now going through a period where people are not too sure about what's going to happen with this new uh, variant uh, of concern, uh, Omicron. And um, there are measures being taken in, in some territories and some countries, such as now asking folk to go back to working from home. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully by the time this episode goes, uh, goes live, uh, we've discovered that Omicron, yes, it's contagious, but actually it's not, it's not uh, as deadly as, as previous variants. Um, 
Uh, we just don't know yet. Um, but the reality is, Jeff, that remote working is here to stay and it's here to stay for a while. And we may see future uh, variants uh, come up again. Um, and, and we may all have to go back to remote working on on, on regular basis. I, I wonder what kind of challenges that, that that offers when it comes to trying to teach play as, as a way to grow and achieve when, you know, when, when some or all participants are, are actually remote and, and they can't pick up on, for example, um, a particular expression or uh, body language in the same way. Um, you know, the, those, those other intangibles just by being in the same room as someone. Um, how, how does that affect teaching the concepts and then and then practicing those methodologies when it's when it's online? Yeah, I, I, I feel as if there are certain challenges like, yes, you know, it probably is a little bit harder to, um, you know, connect via Zoom or you're not in the same like room. So you may not be able to pick up on a certain level of energy. But I also find that a lot of leaders blame Zoom for the fact that they're not connecting with their staff when they weren't connecting with their staff face to face. Like, let's just be honest, right? You know, when, you know, when you're telling your staff, okay, we need to think outside the box, but let's get in a square, let's get in a rectangular room around a rectangular table and then be like, all right, let's think outside this rectangle. It's just like, you know, it's, they weren't doing it before. So my challenge to a lot of leaders is like, you can make Zoom meetings good. Like you can still connect and have really thoughtful conversations and not waste people to waste people's times with really boring, you know, um, not purposeful meetings via Zoom, just as you can do in, you know, face to face. Right. You know, I remember, you know, one um, company that I was working with, you know, they're one of their leaders. They were like, hey, you know. A couple times a week, we're just going to have lunch over Zoom. That's it. That's all we're doing. You know, I'm not going to be talking about work, but we're just going to have lunch and talk about whatever. And that alone was a way in which to build culture. So when I when I talk about play, I talk about it as more of embracing a play oriented mindset, right? A more experimental mindset. Hey, let's try this out. How do we, you know, hey, let's go into our next meeting and be like, how do we make our meetings better? Um, what meetings are we currently having that are not necessary? You know, what is the work that actually you think is the most productive work, your deep work? You know, because I know that even though you're working eight hours a day, you know, um, studies have found that most people can only focus on doing deep work for those four hours of a day. So how am I helping you to do your best work, your most deep work first? Because that's the work that's actually going to impact the organization the most, right? So I would be challenging people to be like, hey, how, make these Zoom meetings actually better. A lot of people have found to be more productive working from home. Why? Because they can be more of themselves. They can actually take a break, hang out with their kids, take a break, go for a walk, you know, maybe even take a nap. Oh my goodness. You know, something like that and still be more productive than when they were in the office. So let's not limit you know, I think it's funny, uh, there was a recent study that found that it was 70% of employers, leaders wanted people in the office, while it was the exact opposite, um, you know, percentage for employees, because employees, a lot of employees are actually enjoying working from home more, and leaders feel less in control, because they don't have people sitting right next to them. But if their productivity is up, then 
leaders have to be more creative of how they're connecting with their staff. They still can have difficult conversations with their staff. They still can ask their staff how we can how can I be a better leader to support you? They can still ask those questions and build rapport while allowing their staff to work from home. So that's where I believe there's opportunity. Okay, thank you very much. Um, so uh, interestingly, you said make these Zoom meetings better. Um, so I, I don't think I don't think we really fully got. And, and by the way, listeners, context being, um, Jeff said to me, you know, feel free to challenge me. So I'm challenging you now, Jeff. I don't really feel yeah. like you fully fully answered that question um, because uh, I think the, the challenge is, you know, or the question was around is is it. Is it a greater challenge to be able to uh, to communicate uh, with with colleagues, uh, with, with other people generally, but with you know with with colleagues when it when it's online compared to compared to in person? Is, is it more difficult to show empathy? Is it more difficult to to make to make real connections? Um, maybe, maybe you could have another stab at that. Yeah. So I is it more difficult? I've seen it done where. Um, Good leaders can communicate empathy, you know, whether they're in front of the person face to face or, you know, virtually. I think a lot of leaders hide behind the fact that right now I don't get to sit next to this person that I can't communicate my care and understanding. When you're when you're actually truly communicating communicating empathy, compassion and humanity, it's through your actions. It's not through just a, just meetings. And when I say like make meetings better, first I would challenge, you know, leaders to be like which meetings are not a good use of people's time? How many how much of the work that the, your staff is currently doing doesn't really actually help them or help the the organization or the team move forward better. So the more that leaders are actually taking stuff out of the way of their staff, then they're communicating through their actions. Oh, I'm actually listening to your feedback as an employee and I'm, and I'm getting, I'm doing whatever I need to do to help you be actually more productive. So those actions happen in between the meetings, you know? So employers really, then when they hop on those Zoom meetings with people and we're like, all right, we're gonna actually, address this certain problem that we're dealing with currently. Again, does the meeting have to be an hour long? No, it has to be until the, the problem is addressed. So whether that meeting is 22 minutes or 33 minutes or whatever, you know, saving their staff time and just being like, let's laser focus, get this done, and then allow you to go back to the doing the work that actually is your best work. So I feel leaders can build that certain level of empathy and compassion and humanity when they ask their staff, what is it that you need for me in order to support you better? And then actually taking action on that. And you can do that whether they're in person or they're working from home. I'd love for you to share how our listeners can connect with you personally. So maybe you want to share your email address, your LinkedIn, whatever you want to share there. And then also how can they learn more about all the cool things you're doing over at rediscover your play? Absolutely. So yeah, I, I make a lot of my videos, you know, uh, addressing uh, leadership in the HR space at the handle Jeff Harry plays at Jeff J E F F H A R R Y P L A Y S. And I'm on TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Medium, all at that, and YouTube, all at that handle. Uh, and then if your organization would like to figure out a way in which to create more psychologically safe 
um, working environments using positive psychology and play, simply go to rediscoveryourplay.com and clicks on the Let's Play button, and we can have a conversation on how to do that. Brilliant. Well, that just leaves me to say for today, Jeff Harry, you wonderful, inspirational, happy human being. Thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.